and it's sparkly. Like, not sparkling, like it's carbonated, but, like, there is glitter in it. There's glitter. Oh, my God. Like, little pieces of <laughs> aluminum, probably. Uh, but they well, won't reveal like, what It's, like, edible. It's probably, like, mica or something. It's, like, edible glitter. That, that right. sounds like it just sucks coming back up. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't puke it up until, uh, like, a year later. Not, like, that same... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that's same. It's like it's like chewing gum. It's like chewing gum. Yeah, it just... stays in your stomach for for like years. So, folks. I'm not gonna lie. This feels weird, doesn't it? Feel weird, uh, my it guests, really... my co-hosts, <laughs> my my dear my dear friends, back on this magical mystery journey again with me. It feels so strange. Nothing doesn't feel weird anymore. It would feel very weird for something not to feel weird. Yes, that's but, true. Uh, this, however, is a new kind of weird. <laughs> you know, it still stands out in the milieu of all of the weird that we it are It feels like a lie that we call it the weekly weird because it's been four months. <laughs> it's the eternal weird. Yeah, sometimes uh, yeah, it's, you gotta let it it's, percolate. It's us. It is Rob, Quinn, and Arlie. It's River Do's and River Don'ts. What the fuck The podcast is where we watch Riverdale from like, Years ago now at this point. This came Jesus out in Christ. 2018. October 24th, 2018 is the air date of the first episode we're going to be talking about. Wait, are you are you serious? I didn't yeah. I actually didn't Fuck. know that. Remember oh the midterms? <sighs> so it's the podcast where we do that. Uh, we discuss the uh, stuff that happens in the episode. We give you the river do, the thing that we liked the best, the river don't, the things that we really did not like so very much, and the weekly weird, which is that Riverdalian strangeness that inexplicably <laughs> exists on a television show that human beings watch with their eyeballs. Yeah, it's been forever. We should probably address that. The reason that we went on an extended hiatus is that Quinn was uh, kidnapped and pulled into hell by lava demons that live underneath their apartment. Yeah, basically. So, <laughs> y'all might notice sometimes I, I've talked about how hot it is in here, presumably on the podcast before. If not, I've recorded in here during some real hot times. Summer rolls around in San Diego. And sometimes your Twitter feed is just like a real-time chronicle of the barbecuing of your own flesh. Right, well, yeah, and absolutely. Rob and I have also both been in that apartment and can attest to the hot tiles. Oh yeah, like the so... lava demons are real. They <laughs> right. no matter what your psychologist says, they can hurt you. <laughs> exactly. They can, there they are do. these there's these sporadic <laughs> hot spots where lava demons live in my apartment. They make it way hotter than it is outside. And this has been a particularly hot summer, and the airflow into the room where I record, the second bedroom of the apartment that I live in, is particularly bad. Air doesn't flow in here very we well. We should at mention all. It no gets AC. Really stagnant. No AC. No AC whatsoever. Love San Diego. So, so good. If it gets to be above a certain temperature it becomes physically dangerous for me to record in here i want to put this on the podcast i'm sure it's on some podcast it may even be on this very <laughs> podcast but just for the record let it be stated that when i was over there recording guest episodes for an actual play podcast with quinn it got so hot that joe put a washcloth wrapped ice pack on the back of quinn's neck and steam shot out of it audibly yes so, yeah, Quinn was kidnapped by lava demons and pulled down into a horrible nether hell beneath their apartment. Arlie and I just got back from rescuing them. Uh, <laughs> I used my uh, probably, what, hermetic sorcerer powers to bore a hole between dimensions. And uh, Arlie negotiated with the uh, denizens of that underworld because Arlie is one of the goths. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh and we climbed back up to the surface world on a pillar of shit posts provided by Quinn. Yeah. Uh, so, so we all used our powers. Quinn's obviously by far the most powerful. <laughs> and we're we're back. We're 
God, we did two episodes of this season, and then we stopped for a season of The Turning of the Earth. We were so excited. I was so excited. There's a very loud motorcycle driving by. I don't know if my new microphone's picking up on it. We'll Uh, find out together. (laughs) But I was very excited to get into this season of Riverdale, and then I put all of my projects essentially on hiatus. Uh, It's been so hot, and the conditions have been so rough that I haven't even gotten any writing done i've basically been in stasis for several months which sucks because now i have to unlearn being in stasis yeah god season three we're doing it we're doing it and it's exciting because we're still building off the absolute head fuck that was the riverdale get out of town novel that we oh covered on god. frozen pond I forgot yeah. about get uh, it like a- that makes this season it, it's <sighs> like it's like an extra I don't know. It's like a like a garnish that makes the season so much so much more delicious, um, and scrumptious even. Yeah, delectable. Absolutely decadent. So we're gonna have to try to remember that. We'll get back into the swing of it. There's gonna be some some awkwardness because I don't know for 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 you folks, but like rediscovering these notes that I wrote was a bizarre <laughs> trip. I have no idea what I was fucking talking about. I rewatched the episodes and I have deciphered roughly half of what I had to say. I unfortunately lost my notes. I don't know where they got off to. That notebook is just in the ether somewhere. So I just started from scratch. Uh, Someday (laughs) I will rediscover them and I'm sure that I will be just as perplexed. Um, there is a portion of my notes that is a reference to a thing that happened in a conversation with a different group of friends, uh, like the month or week that we were originally going to record, and it's still funny, but it doesn't it's, doesn't make as much sense. So, good news for you, Arlie, we're scoring this podcast on hipster scoring, hipster rules, so the fact that that's so impenetrable means that you win this episode. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I didn't know I could go. win River Do's and River Don'ts, so... Well, I didn't either, but you just did, so... <laughs> I think that we can all agree that the real winners are the audience. Yeah. I don't uh, think in- that's indeed. true. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the audience of this, certainly not the audience of these episodes, but yeah, no, uh, I'd agree but, with that. <laughs> I mean, but let's let's be real. Season three so far is much less garbage than season two was. But we'll yes. we'll see how it all shakes in, out in a way. Uh, okay. Uh, hmm. Equally insane, but in more entertaining ways, generally, and less sure. frustrating. Is yeah. that fair? That's. Uh, I yes. feel like that's it, fair. It has a sense of direction to it, let's say. So far. So far. Yeah, so far. We'll they could they could drop the ball. It's been done before. <laughs> Remember the middle of season two? <laughs> oh, shit, we have nine more episodes. It is important to note that we have never seen the writer's room of Riverdale and the Democratic National Committee in the same place at the same time. <laughs> I am convinced that like the table there are, are tables in the writer's room of Riverdale that are just covered in just like mounds of cocaine. Quite I'm possibly. Convinced. But but their ability I, to, mm. to snatch failure from the jaws of success is mm. reminiscent as well. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I I don't want to get too deep into it, Arlie, mm-hmm. but I think I want to contest that. Oh, do you think it's based... the blue Adderall, actually? Could be the blue Adderall. <laughs> I, I think these people somehow have never done a drug. <laughs> based on what happens in episode four, I'm skeptical That's, that, that these people know what point. drugs are or what they do. I think I think drugs are cool. I think that Riverdale is a fan fiction that a nerd writes about what if he was cool in high school instead. <laughs> That, it sort of has that energy, or it has the energy of, like, we got to talk about this when we talk about episode four. All I'll say is it has the energy of a 13-year-old writing about how cool it might be or how scary it might be if people did a drug. Yeah. Now that that cup's been flipped, how about we uh, <laughs> get into season it. three, episode three, chapter 38, As Above, So Below, directed by Jeff Hunt, written by Aaron Allen. Let's go! The Warden visits Archie in solitary confinement, and he refuses, does Archie, the Warden's mysterious offer. And I'm thinking, all right, Archie, see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, no plots happening here. (laughs) Put the main character back in the hole. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Archie refused the call to adventure this week. We will check yep. in on him later. Isn't yep. there a stupid little boy barrel? I feel like that was discussed in a prior season of this show. Hmm. You just put him hmm. back in the stupid little boy barrel. Oh, yeah, yeah. We if there isn't, there that. should be. So I feel way. like it was mentioned once because it's stuck in my brain, and I definitely <laughs> didn't come up with that on my own. So It's, it's very good. <laughs> we then discover F Palace is go. This is not a drill. <laughs> Apparently, her time on the farm has made Alice less uptight about uh, that. Uh, the F Palace pillow talk is based around, hopefully, they think it was a, you know, normal, everyday suicide pact. Uh-huh. And that they will not realize that it's connected to our ancient death conspiracy. This is some good shit Um, right here. (laughs) I have several problems with this scene, one of which has not been touched on yet in the recap, but I I don't like that they skip three weeks between the episode two and episode three, like three weeks of in-show time. It just seems like so much. As someone who skipped four, maybe even five months between episodes, (laughs) I did not notice. That's no, I I simply did not notice. Yeah, it, it was actually in my notes. I, again, I did not change any of these notes uh, or add to them or anything because I'm a garbage monster. I just rewatched the episodes last night. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I did have a problem with them skipping three weeks in between episodes. It just felt very weird to me. Like interesting, and and like they they said like ah, oh, it's been three weeks. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just felt very weird and yeah, jarring to me. But yeah, apparent you know, they've got their whole like something bad happened that all the adults know about back in the day and yeah, the spooky PTA meeting. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully the kids just think that this obvious suicide pact death cult <laughs> thing is not related to the exact same thing that happened a while ago. Uh, they're worried about Bughead, who are at this very moment in a parallel pillow talk scene, <sighs> having turned Dilton Doily, you know, that dead weirdo's <sighs> bunker, into, into a fucking love nest. Palace. I hate I hate the parallel so much. It's so gross. It's awful. It's horrible. It honestly, it sets this episode off on such bad footing. <laughs> it's so it's so gross. Like, hey, these people, their kids are also fucking, and it's it's almost as weird as you think it is. Yeah, it feels gross. It feels bad. It feels weird. It's a little odd. Uh, Jughead has a shockingly ham-fisted Detective Eureka moment, realizing <laughs> that they need to track down the player's manual for Griffiths and Gargoyles in order to solve the case. I I guess. Did I get it? Is that what happened? They've got to have a holy scripture of some sort. Is that is that uh, every cult has its king? <laughs> Yeah, he says every cult has its king, which might be my favorite line of the episode. Uh, to which I responded Every out cult loud. has its five foot four king. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, responded to that out loud. Uh, no, no, it doesn't. You are, no, you are a stupid little boy. You both go in the barrel. Fred visits the prison where the warden stonewalls him about Archie's revoked visitor privileges. Uh, not much doing there, just carrying water. Warden's evil. Yep. I want to see my son. Veronica then whines to Betty about bills at Pops and reveals that she's been holding off the opening of the speakeasy until Archie gets out, uh, which is dumb if you want to run a business and not get steamrolled by your father. Mm -hmm. Uh, Betty points out that this is exactly not what Archie would want. Uh, I I guess Betty's probably right in theory that that is not what Archie would want. I don't know how persuasive that should be because usually what Archie wants is stupid. Archie well, wants but also, horrible things all Usually the time. what Veronica wants is stupid. So yeah. makes you think. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like they're both stupid. Bughead uh, then see Ethel talking to Evelyn and mm-hmm. now get the insight that maybe the game and the farm are related in some way. Not when Evelyn skulked creepily into full view of Ethel's seizure from the last episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's, no. That, that was not a clue. Mm-mm. This, however, the two characters existing in the same space in a normal day Correct. is a clue. Yes. Evelyn, we conveniently learn, is the daughter of the farm's cult leader. Ooh. Josie and Kevin show up at Pops, and Pop instructs them to dial a special code into the phone, whereupon they're asked for a password to gain entrance to the speakeasy. Uh, It's a lot. Kevin doesn't know the password. He just guesses Stonewall, and the guy says, close enough. So, like, what's the password for? Uh, My note there is, we love a gay icon. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) That's not how passwords work. 
It's like you if you clicked you clicked five out of the six boxes that have a picture of a train, and the algorithm's just like, yeah, that's all right. It's if fine, I move opened my laptop and typed in Stonewall, to which that is not the password, <laughs> <laughs> my, my laptop would just go eh, close it up. You wouldn't steal a laptop, would you? Yeah. Steal a speakeasy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a lot. The place is called the Bonwe, which is going to be an all-ages, alcohol-free speakeasy. You know, the, the cool kind that makes money. Yeah. You know how kids super love good, to not cool. drink alcohol? <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Yeah. They're super it's jazzed to not drink. Time. Josie shall be the resident singer. Kevin is Jean MC. Tues, so please. far, so good. Uh, Reggie is also there. Good for you, Reggie. <laughs> I guess he's like the bouncer or something. Or errand boy. Or yeah. Something. Or all of the above, maybe. He's shown behind the bar a bunch early on in this episode, uh-huh. but then he transitions to like front and back end duties. It's really weird. Reggie is sort of. <laughs> he's one man. It's almost man. like he's working for a Jack business being run by children. Yes. And is also a children. Yeah. Yes, he is a children. Uh. Penny McFucking Peabody's upstairs, the phone informs us. She's offering up some ghoulies-based protection racket for the club. Uh, I have to point out, she is wearing a jacket in this scene with a gigantic patch of an old-school EC horror comics-looking zombie on it, and the word menace hacked on there in violent-looking letters, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, hearses or no. The ghoulies just have the serpent's beat on aesthetics. They really do. Like, okay. There's no question about it. Snakes, okay. Cool. Like, I. But what do you want to do with the snakes? Like, (laughs) the ghoulies uh, go for it. They're snakes. They're snakes. Snakes never shed its skin. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, yes, they fucking do. It's one of their defining characteristics, actually. So, so Peabody's serving a look and, and also doing an extortion. Archie gets a rare face-to-face black bagging. Uh, well, it's a brown bag, but you get what I mean. Uh, by the warden. Like, usually you black bag someone a- anyway. Like, yeah. He's like, hey, hey Archie, like I'm a black bag you shit. now. Um, it's bagging time, he says. <laughs> yep, indeed. Uh, whisked off then to an illegal bare-knuckle boxing pit hidden beneath the prison. Joachim is getting the absolute shiznit beaten out of him, and the warden offers uh, the deal, take his place, or I will have him beaten until permanently disabled, uh, which Archie accepts. Hey, that's, you know, that is Archie-like behavior, uh, after all. Uh, He's not gonna say no. (laughs) He meets some other trainees who have the names Baby Teeth. Baby Teeth is my favorite character in this show. Thumper and what? Peter. I somehow missed Baby Teeth. Yeah, he goes, the name's Baby Teeth. <laughs> I don't look like much, but I pack a punch. Uh, is that like I a reference it. to how like it hurts when babies bite nipples or some shit? Like, what is know. that? I don't know. What if that I was just... his whole bare knuckle boxing <laughs> That's philosophy? His That's his fighting like styles. Just right for the nips. <laughs> Vicious. Oh my god. Vicious. Uh, he still has uh, nip gristle stuck between his teeth. Ugh. Please um, don't ever say those words again. <laughs> they're recorded haunt, now. That's going to haunt my dreams. I will yeah. never escape nip gristle. <laughs> Honestly, if he wanted to be more intimidating, nip gristle is a much more <laughs> scary <laughs> name than baby teeth. It is. Like, baby teeth is it's fucking hilarious, but it also just makes me feel like he doesn't have his adult teeth. I just, I have hey, to say I that like it was... My p- name is baby teeth. <laughs> Oh, no! I was so suffused with hubris thinking, as I looked at these notes, that I could put that name first in a list of three and get through it. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? I've been waiting for someone to say baby teeth so I could yell about how he's my favorite character in this fucking show. I'm so upset that I didn't even notice baby teeth. How did baby teeth escape my my view? Well... (laughs) Nowadays, everybody got to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about baby teeth. (laughs) Uh Um, The other two are named Thumper and Peter, weirdly two uh, fictional rabbit names. And then the other one's just named Baby Teeth. Maybe there's a fictional rabbit named Baby Teeth that we don't know about. Is there a secret rabbit? (laughs) 
Archie asks Baby Teeth what happened to Mad Dog, but the guards are not into uh, the trainees chatting with one another. Veronica offers a VIP package to Cheryl and Tony in exchange for promotion among their various friends and, and stuff. Uh, that's a scene that happens, and it, yeah, that that's what happens. Yes, this was the point at which I uh, wondered in my notes whether or not Riverdale High has a dress code, because uh, I'm pretty sure that Cheryl's wearing just, like, a bandeau top, and her whole midriff is exposed. They and appear like, not to. By and like, well, I, or it, it may be just school. purely classist, too. Like, it may be that if you're uh, if you're rich, they don't enforce it. God. Like, I went to high school in the, in the 20-aughts. Like, I... No, not those ones. The 2010s. Those ones. <laughs> I don't know what time is anymore. And, like... No one does. It's okay. <laughs> uh, that's not... That, I got dress coded for wearing pajama pants once. Like, <laughs> yeah, why not? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I think people simply don't care, or people are too scared of her political power yes. being Penelope Blossom's child, uh, even though she has been estranged. Bughead approaches Ethel, asking about Ethel. Wait, probably asking about Evelyn. My notes are really high quality, you guys. <laughs> Uh, and they, they learn that, uh, that, that Evelyn has started a chapter of the farm at Riverdale High as a peer support group. And you know what? Sure. Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? This school is like, yes, we will allow a cult to operate in our school. Yep. Well, I mean, presumably it's in the U.S., and the right. U.S. said we will allow a cult to operate in our White House. So, well, uh, but you've gotta understand that uh, everything is uh, unfair and uh, hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So, and they the idea that something that is not election. that is not the the like favored flavor of uh, mm-hmm. cult <laughs> is, is is very unrealistic. Uh, it's very strange. But uh, it's got to be the orange Kool Aid, not the whatever farm colored Kool Aid. Uh, well, probably, I guess is blue. Like, I'm, yeah, it really is blue. <laughs> I'm not opposed to the idea that like the farm is connected to G and G, so they got that that blue fresh aid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We have certainly not seen a disproving of that theory. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, and it's almost too fucking obvious to not be. But like, you never know with this show because they've forgotten it by now. <laughs> but... <laughs> So they're like, is that, else... have we, have we, did we talked about that as a plot point? Mm. <laughs> like either in the show or in this room? No, no, yes, no. Who knows? Uh, no time I to film know. anymore. <laughs> so wait, we got yeah, nine more episodes. I also, I also noticed that this season the credits go like a third of the way into the episode. It's fucking crazy. It's wild. It is. Uh, but another thing that I noticed about this is they do have some posters up for the farm. Mm. Oh, uh, I didn't notice that. in the episode. That Hold on, good Alan Moore style visual storytelling. <laughs> It is. Also, the longer this episode goes on, the more they talk about it, the more it is just funny to me that they simply refer to it as the farm. Yeah. Like, like... (laughs) when you talk about the cult itself, like the cult compound, I get why you might call it the farm. People are probably going out to a physical farm, like literally and doing shit at the farm, right? But when you start it up at the school, it feels like you would want to approach it with like a hip, cool name for the students some instead of just saying i don't know that sounds like that sounds like work that a writer would need to do though quinn it's like they've already called it something yeah (laughs) they'll just keep calling it that same something no branding required no branding allowed (laughs) uh jughead asks if she has a gng manual which she refers to as scripture the answer is yes jughead tries to kind of get smooth and call her Princess Etheline, but she's like, you haven't earned that privilege. Oops. You know what? Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hated it, but good for her. Mm-hmm. Jughead lays it on thick about wanting to become worthy and learn the game. She offers to have him meet her at the bunker, but alone, and then just, like, savagely burns Betty. <laughs> You'll mm-hmm. never be worthy. Just torches her, saying she'll never be worthy no matter how hard she tries. Hey, Ethel- Ethel's kind of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great. It's not a great look. But that's okay. Betty's headed for the peer support group to do some detective yeah. stuff. She'll be okay. She'll have all that peer support. And, and, and at this point, it occurred to me, holy shit, is this, even if it's extremely obvious, an actual mystery investigation? Like, are we are we doing a plot? You um, might think that. It you hit might home have been that maybe we're that. doing a plot at this point. It is beginning to look a lot like mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> uh... 
Reggie carries down a delivery for Veronica. No shirt, shirtless. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just the way do. No yeah, shoes. shirtless. Uh, we'll we'll get back to that, but like we've got like some some like Kingdom Hearts Mickey shirt gate going on here, uh, <laughs> which we'll get into more. Uh, but like the boxes are actually a fuck ton of jingle jangle. It's uh, just and- fucking pixie sticks. I can't. Uh, no, our lead is jingle jangle, an exceptionally dangerous hard drug. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge stash of jingle jangle, and his mom's and, gonna and- kill him. <laughs> And it turns out that the sheriff is physically upstairs right this very second. Oops, they got set up. Um, but why, though, with the um, the shirtlessness? What happened to Reggie's shirt? I, I don't know. Maybe he just got sweaty from carrying boxes. You don't want to take your uh, shirt off when you get sweaty? God damn it. I wouldn't want to uh, carry cardboard boxes against my bare skin. I don't know. Um, Especially if sweaty. Especially if sweaty, yeah. Ooh, it's going to peel. He's also stupid. Like Uh, (laughs) Reggie uh, is a well. He's not a himbo because he's not like a good person. I don't think he's Um, the devil's himbo, a dimbo. (laughs) (laughs) Reggie, the devil's himbo, pure of ass, dumb of ass. Uh, Minetta needs to inspect the speakeasy, and like at this point, Reggie has somehow found his shirt. Like it just magically (laughs) appears back on his body. Cops are here. I must like. I assume he left it behind the bar or like on a chair or something. He's like, "Oh shit, let me put my polo on." Also, can't stress enough that like he just hangs up his shirt on the coat rack like it's a coat, (laughs) like absolute feral energy. (laughs) When when pops calls and says that Minetta's there, (laughs) Reggie's response is not, "Oh shit, we're gonna get arrested." It's, "Oh my god, my mom's gonna kill me if she finds me with it." Yeah, yeah. That's and like, sometimes I that's how it. it is. I was a teenager. I get it. Yeah, that seems like a teenage thing to me. But I just same energy as like uh, in Scream. <laughs> he call the cops. He's like, "Oh, my mom and dad are gonna kill me." Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the same fucking energy. Um, Minetta tells them that he's accepting donations for the sheriff's department. Very subtle. <laughs> Turns out the jingle jangle was a gift from Penny Peabody, but Minetta takes like ten seconds. To look around and finds nothing? So, like... Very thorough investigation. Let's I'm... let's game this out. Peabody just gave away a ton of free drugs <laughs> without gaining any advantage at all because she is very smart. Right, and, like, I don't know if that was just supposed to be, like, an implicit threat because we know they're all working together, but I don't know if they know that they're all working together. <laughs> like, and again, confusing. drugs are not free. I know this. Maybe it's because like Hiram is clearly involved that like he he I don't know he decided he would cover the cost because he's trying to fuck with his daughter I don't know like that's that's the only thing that even kind okay of makes see sense to if me. Veronica were a wrestle boy I would believe that Hiram would spend all that money would just blow that money just on trying to like get in her head. But like Veronica is not a wrestle boy. No, she's not. She's not. So even I don't. A I don't girl. buy this level of pettiness where he's wasting money on something that he doesn't need to do at all. So like, I think that we're supposed to just feel like, oh wow, that was really close. Thank God he didn't find the jingle jangle. But the way that they showed that in the show was him not looking for it. I'm once right. again so again, thoroughly impressed it's... by Riverdale's law enforcement situation. Hmm. Hello, cat. Oh my god. It definitely creates a situation where it's not at all clear what the intent is. Like, is this... My assumption is that it's a Hiram-level thing, where Hiram is, like, basically just fucking with her. And so, like, oh yeah, you're just supposed to be anxious about this, but Mineta's not gonna find it for reasons. But then I just have all these drugs. Right, yeah. Have, have all these Our heroes boobies. now have drugs, so that's cool. Good for them. We then go to farm at the school club. Evelyn sneaks up on Betty with pizza, uh, which is the best way to be, <laughs> to be snuck, snuck up, up on. Uh, but Betty claims to be having daily or more convulsions and wants Edgar Evernever's help with it. Uh, the rumor is that he can help somehow. So wait a second, though. Are we meant to think that the seizures are a fucking coincidence? And the farm has an obsession with stopping people's seizures without using medication? I have no idea. See, that's why I thought that that was the scene in which Jughead had called Edgar the king, because... 
So, yeah, like, there happens to be a cult in town obsessed with curing people's seizures without medicine. And Betty happens to be having seizures, and, like, the cult leader's daughter happens to be having seizures, and Ethel happens to be having seizures. It's so fucking wild. it's, like, a new thing, yeah. But, like, I I thought that that's... Even if we are to believe, one way or another, either that it's just coincidental that all these people are having seizures and there happens to be a cult in town that's, like, obsessed with curing people's seizures... Or it's a conspiracy, like, that they're there to do with it, which is much more likely. We have to sit with the fact that clearly what the farm wants, its prospective members to believe in its recruitment, is that the people are just coincidentally having seizures and they happen to know how to cure seizures. <laughs> like, it's so fucking weird. Mm-hmm. <sighs> ah. Archie Fight Club time against someone who, while jacked, has no fucking idea what he's doing. Uh, Archie makes short work of his big looping punch, then wait around to be fed my own teeth strategy. Turns out it's a bad strat. Uh, And Archie's awarded with food from Pops for winning, which he shares with other trainees. Veronica brings her Penny Peabody slash Mineta problems to Cheryl and Tony. Turns out the white worm is a now jingle jingle lab being run by the ghoulies but due to uh the previous bartending job tony knows all the secret passages because <laughs> mm-hmm. there are secret passages of and course. also they had a mm-hmm. teenager bartending yeah i mean well, yeah they had teenagers do other things there classical too. i know i just mm... ah! <laughs> i would wow! not like I, is that teenager... still is that is that still the nadir Folks, like, is that I don't even... is that still the worst fucking thing? Oh yeah, in this show so oh, far, yeah. I feel like it probably yeah. is. There's no um, question about it. Just like as a person who's been a teenager who made a drink, I would not let a teenager make me a drink. Ah, uh, yeah, no D- kidding. Not not in any fucking universe, not in this life or the next. Couldn't couldn't do it. I think that a teenager still would do a better job than a friend of ours named Janae from Mahalo. <laughs> me a drink because i know that it would get me fucked up it would get you blasted so hard you take one sip and you're fucking down for the whole night wait what folks what's uh, happening on this podcast now (laughs) who knows for those of you who are listening who don't know what we're talking about just go to youtube and look up janae from mahalo.com making drinks she does not know how to measure alcohol she's an (laughs) icon um i think it's spelled j-a-n-a-e i think um she's she's great riverdews and riverdones is now an arg um Mm -hmm. so uh we then get a musical sequence jingle jangle lab evidence gathering mission yeah, uh, find the jingle jangle sequence to the jingle jangle song. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Uh, important, important though. There is a cameo in this scene by my very favorite Mortal Kombat 2 arcade machine that is still there. <laughs> oh, that's great. See, Yay. there were two things I noticed about this scene. One, Veronica's tactical camisole is back. Yes. Tactical boob window. Yeah. Yes. Two, they're looking over the scene and they're looking at the drug lab and there's a shot to a mortar and pestle. And it looks like they're just grinding cumin and putting it in the jingle jingle. <laughs> it's like in Breaking Bad where Jesse's like signature is chili powder. <laughs> um, uh, also, it genuinely I... just looks like there's a mortar and pestle full of cumin. Mm, delicious. It just gives it that good, good kick, you know? I I forgot to mention there the during the scene where Veronica approaches... Cheryl and Tony. She calls them Sir Pets, which I despise. Yeah, that is bad. That feels that feels bad when you yes, say it. Yes, I, um, I, I had marked that down because that was when she goes to visit them at their... um, Like at the tent place where they live. Right, where she's taking pictures of Cheryl in front of the motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> and there's like a little bit of, I don't know if I'd call it banter, but there's like some discussion about that as Veronica's walking up. Mm-hmm. And everyone's wearing heels and no one should be. And it, but she, <laughs> she definitely calls them Sir Pets. I had that down. I took a note of that. My Ew. note is a little bit more aggressive than that, but I'm not going to read it on the podcast. <laughs> Just, I felt very strongly about it. 
you're right to say it. Um, we next get to see what Roberto Aguirre Sacasa thinks Dungeons and Dragons is like. I guess. <laughs> so I'm gonna give a shout out here to Ethel Muggs, who sent four to eight hours preparing just the physical location for this game based sheerly on the number of candles <laughs> in the bunker. Yep. Also, yeah. fire hazard much? Yeah, like... Jughead descends into this candlelit bunker where Ethel is all dressed up as a pagan princess. It is so, 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 so very much. And like, again, I feel like the writer's room has the exact same level of experience with role-playing games that it, as it does with drugs, high school cliques, and gangs. Man, that must be a sad group of people. Uh... <laughs> Have you done one fun thing? I just, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, Ethel gives him the rundown of the classes just as in, get out of town! Like, it's the same classes. Jughead instantly chooses Hellcaster because he is a pro gamer and he knows what's up. Yep. And uh, Jughead draws a quest card. So we've got yet another, like, Mm. game mechanic stapled onto this monstrosity. Quest cards. Yeah. He picks Hellcaster, which Ethel then says, that's the same class that Ben picked. We were supposed to ascend together until he betrayed me and finished the game with Dilton instead. Um, Does that mean that they were gay? Like, <laughs> I don't know. But I, in my notes, I say Hellcaster. And then I hate when he betrays me and finishes the game with Dilton instead. <laughs> yeah, isn't it the worst? <laughs> it sucks. Oh, God. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then Betty walks into a farm meeting taking place in her own living room, uh, which sucks. And it's totally a mystery cult. I think if I were Betty, I would simply just shit myself immediately upon entering the house just to get my point across. Yeah, I mean, she's got levels to ascend before meeting the leader. It, and it starts out with a, quote, open, non-judgmental conversation about all the dark things you've done in your life mm-hmm. thing. Like, like just, it, is, just, it is like standard Catholic blackmail scam. Just poop your pants and you're you're so incontinent that they have to take you to the big guy. Yep. Yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> just just um, fucking poop your pants. Like, but I... like, these MFers already know about the family having hidden the shady man's body, and they fucking, they refer to him as the shady man. That I part, I am 100% believe. here for. Chick and the shady man, they also reference, quote, <sighs> your dark kinship with your father. Uh, I, hate, I hate it. I hate this show too much. <laughs> Why? Just because it's bad? It hurts me. It hurts me. The dialogue says, fuck you. The dialogue. (laughs) It's bad. All of this is... It's a lot this season, honestly. It's a lot this season. It is. I thought the old dialogue was bad. Like, full dark, no stars. And then this season happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, onward and upward. (laughs) Uh, Betty... Instantly turns this into an opportunity to put the farm on trial uh, regarding G&G. But Evelyn says the farm learned about G&G from Alice. Oh! This, this is pretty good. Then Betty starts having a seizure. Because I guess they're like, uh, ooh, did we forget to write the end of this scene? But oh, Fuck, um, uh, just fall on the floor and... And... <laughs> Betty out. It's fine. Yep. Uh, Jughead's G&G game very quickly escalates to the Princess Bride Iocane powder scene. God. Uh, except it's Blue Fresh Aid. One of them's poisoned. Uh, but it's very much Iocane powder. Uh, Jughead makes Ethel promise to give him the rules manual if he takes the coin flip. So let's... Let's look at this here. Jughead is willing to take a 50% or perhaps 100% risk with his life to obtain a copy of a fucking D&D player's guide. Yeah. Uh, just on the hunch that it might help him solve a mystery. Could like, he doesn't be. know that it will help. You know Could what the ironic be. thing is? He won't just walk into a store and pay for it. <laughs> of course he will. Uh, he just fucking pounds it, you know? like He says, salute. Great. Ethel then produces the rule book, but demands Jughead kiss her to get it, which, okay. Don't like that. Uh, like, Ethel, Ethel then... got weird horny this season. She turned into weird horny. Like, I get it, but I don't like having to watch it. She then blasts down the poison chalice for no fucking reason. Well, because she wants to die. She's horny and she wants to die. And, like, I get it, but I don't like watching <laughs> a teenager do it. There. <laughs> uh, I know two things about Ethel Muggs. 
she's horny and she craves the abyss. Me too, but like, I I'm an adult. <laughs> Ethel Muggs, in theory, like I know the woman who plays her is an adult, but I just like, I don't, I don't like how bad they want to make teenagers horny in this show. Yeah. I really don't like it. You're watching the wrong show for people who don't want to make teenagers horny. Which, don't get me wrong, I also find the sexualization of teenagers a weird. Well, it's and and, so and like our friends over on Anime Sickos, I've never been horny. Never been so, horny. Uh, don't tell the paper that I've ever been horny. But I... Jughead oh, watches Sober just Ethel. Down, who is... oh, what? Uh, Biscuti just knocked down the day before. He tried to oh, jump man. onto... Onto Sick a surface. Burn. Like, this book sucks ass. Sick <laughs> yep. burn, Biscuti. <laughs> uh, Jughead watches over Ethel, who is in the hospital under suicide watch. Ethel is super, super committed to the bit at this point and says that Jughead has proven himself further worthy. He does thumb through the manual real quick. And I, oh. you get a quick look at the art of the game. And unfortunately, I think between the publication of this episode, uh, the show, the airing of this show, uh, almost exactly two years ago, and the present, there has been a role-playing game published with almost this exact artistic aesthetic called Merkborg. <laughs> oh, um, oh, God. There's actually some similarity there. That hurts. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just had to point that out. Shout-outs to Merkborg. Yeah. They seem like cool dudes. Yep. Uh, Veronica threatens Hiram uh, with blackmail over the Jingle Jangle Lab and asks for $10,000 a week in perpetuity. All right, I guess. The warden instructs Archie to draw fights out longer for a better show. This marks where I start getting increasingly uncomfortable with the warden. Uh, like, yeah. the direction it, he's taking this performance is getting more and more uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, because it's clear in this scene that it's more than, like, a being a money-making venture. The sadism of this fighting pit with, like, teenage boys is spank bank material. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, that's, he's... that's, it's, it's about, it's about the warden coming. Right. He's also super horny, and he's an adult, but I hate it because he's horny for teenagers, right. and yeah. I don't like that. And I don't know if that makes me weird. I don't think it does. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, it does not at all. <laughs> Just but very he, uncomfortable. The warden does make the demand to make it last, oh, God. five or six rounds at least. <laughs> he, just, he just wants Archie Ooh. to edge him, and I hate it. It's so gross. It will sate the viewer's bloodlust and <gasps> my own. And my own. He didn't have to say that. You you didn't have to add that little pepper at the end. That pepper stinks. It's stinky he's practically, pepper. He's, he's stinky pepper. It's a stinky, stinky pepper. He's practically he's practically tubing it at this point. Yeah, it's horrible. Ugh. Like I feel like if he stood up, there'd be a stain on his pants. I don't like that. Yeah, it's bad. Archie consults with an imaginary avatar of Fred about what to do and receives a cryptic little bit of advice about, quote, other ways of making a show of it. Uh, Betty then presses her very, very stupid mother who told the farm about the shady man and what she knows about G&G. Yep. But Alice refuses, saying she trusts the farm more than her own daughter. Uh, season three, Alice sucks shit. She sucks folks. so yeah. bad. And I know that Quinn has mentioned that there's some similar, <laughs> yeah, similarities between season three, Alice and their mom. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> starting with this episode, me too. <laughs> I'm also kind of upset about the similarities between season three, Alice and season two, Alice. Yeah. And season one, Alice. We just yeah. keep kicking her back down this character development hill when it suits us and it's garbage it's so weird because there's this thing where it feels like the alice who does this shit to betty and the alice who's engaging with in the FP. plot or the yeah like they're it feels like they're people. two completely different people and not like oh how abuse is hidden no it's like they're they're in, their central motivations are different yes and, like, it's even worse than the backslide in season two, in my opinion, because... The second time? The motivation for her not being shit anymore was so much stronger in season two. There's nowhere mm -hmm. to escalate from there. Your right. your husband was a secret serial killer, and you helped take him down with your daughter. And, like, already she's back on her fucking bullshit. Yeah. It's such a whiplash. There could be a very weak argument made that, like, 
Alice is being a shit to Betty to try to protect her, to like keep her from looking more into G and G. But like we've we've we're watching all the same show. Incriminating her like, to strangers is not the best plan. Yeah, for yeah. Exactly. Like no, that's garbage. But I mean, no one said Alice was smart. Yeah. So uh, it's it sucks. So we then get like a big old like musical intercut thing uh, coming up here. It's speakeasy time. Oh, uh, Bughead yeah. discuss their investigation. Opening night is of course soured so- by. Hiram's upstairs presence, but he claims that he's legitimately proud of Veronica's accomplishment, so he's invited downstairs to watch Josie's performance. It's weird, but I want to say the opening, the opening night, the start of the opening night, right? They're playing a song in the soundtrack, and as I was watching it, as, you know, um, as Cheryl and Tony arrive and they get, like, escorted down, like, the first half of this scene is set to a song that I could only describe as being tequila for the modern day. (laughs) Oh my god! <laughs> like that scene might as well have been set to but tequila why not of course of course we're going to intercut the music number with archie's fight where he instructs his opponent to kick his ass a little bit but we are watching riverdale yeah. We are watching Riverdale. Uh, before he nights night night nights the guy without a fuss josie's song is decent it is yeah. not the worst music we've had on this show. Um, who was wearing suspenders in this scene? Was it Reggie? I feel like it was Reggie. I just have I feel a note like it was probably Reggie. Suspenders dot 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 sexy. Like that's that's the note. That was uh, Reggie. Yeah, that was Reggie. Don't feel bad about that one because I do not view Reggie as a character, but instead I view him as Charles Melton, the actor who is very sexy and an adult. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, yeah, that's a grown-up man. Um, yeah, and like, there's no... He's not a teenager. He doesn't even look like a teenager. It's very strange. Um, there's weird shadow dancers for Josie's performance. I there did, are. I, I've watched this episode, like, three or four times. Still don't like him. I, I didn't care yet. for the shadow dancers either. I, it just makes me I think the song itself is fine, but the yeah. whole show of it, I wasn't huge on. Yeah, no, I, I liked... Even, like, it fit the sort of cognitive, or not cognitive, but, like, tonal dissonance that they were going for. Like, it, it still fit. It wasn't, like, fucking, was it Milkshake? Like oh <laughs> Well, so here's the thing that's actually interesting to me. Because the song, I think, is called Anything Goes. Mm-hmm. And that's a yes. that's a refrain common in, in the song. And here's the thing. It seems like in that underground fight arena, anything does go. But mm-hmm. we know for a fact, anything does not go in that speakeasy. They're not serving alcohol. It's no, true. And they, and they are not giving out those drugs. No, that's sir. false no. advertising, Josie. Yeah. Uh, also... Hate to hate to mention it, but the warden clearly comes his pants in this scene. <laughs> like we, we we see it happen, uh, and it sucks yeah. to see it. It sucks to see it. Oh, I was gonna say it in the fight scene itself. It is funny how Archie takes that mental conversation with his father and interprets it as "I just need to tank. I'm going to be a tank for this fight." Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'm kind of proud of him. He did he did a decent thing in the situation he's in. No, for sure. It's not the he dumbest also... thing he's ever done. <laughs> right. No. It's just, he also could have tried to dodge more. I don't know. Nah. <laughs> no, just just hit me. No, just fucking just slam me. Wreck my shit, buddy. dude. Yeah. Um, he, you know, gets back to his cell. It's full of Mad Dog's hand-me-down stuff, the privilege items. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then receives a bottle of rum personally from the warden, and it is of Hiram's brand. So obviously we get a dramatic so, room trashing scene. Here's the thing. I didn't notice that for the first couple times i watched this episode i just thought he was like pissed in general because it's a really poorly lit scene Mm. i actually have still not noticed i had to pause it and i was like oh it's lodge label rum cool i again i've watched this episode like three or four times had no idea what you were talking there, about there we which, have it uh which is why he starts having flashbacks to hiram he's just like, yeah that's why he's so fucking fuck mad hiram. Oh, see, I hate uh, hiram. see i thought he was just like ah it's hiram's fault that i'm in this shitty situation i did too the first couple times i watched the episode and i mean which, like, who can be blamed who can be blamed for not catching something subtle and good this show does because it never happens it so rarely does yeah uh so the rock hammer that Archie finds in a hollowed out hardcover uh, copy of the Count of Monte Cristo <laughs> hits on the nose harder than Archie did in his pit fight is all <laughs> I have to say about that mm-hmm. because holy shit, of course it's the Count of Monte Cristo, which is like the, the lesser known translation of the title of that book is this book contains a hammer <laughs> to help Archie escape. 
that's the uh that's the unabridged version right yeah f palace confronts bughead about having the gng rules in their possession fp declares that the game is pure evil and that no one will ever play it again. He grabs that shit and tosses it into a fire. Holy it, shit. This has my th- one of my favorite FP lips. line deliveries. He says, you play the game. And Jughead like makes like he didn't. And he says, don't lie to me, boy. I can still see I the blue on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always blue? Like, is that part of the rules? It has to be blue, be blue fresh aid? Uh, canonically gargoyle blood is blue yeah i i thought it yeah it was either gargoyle or griffin blood i don't remember who who knows but but like obviously that must be it but yeah that that line oof like pour one out for skeeter like delivering that line like with a straight face holy shit he's a hero uh but yeah there's actually a complication in bughead's mystery quest because they lost the clue that they got which is like whoa hey good job riverdale like even though that kind of doesn't matter at all at the end of this episode (laughs) like like still in that moment it's like oh shit like when they do good things they don't like let them sit long enough oh no hell (laughs) no they're just like ah but wait We can still fuck this up. Yep. Uh, Hiram congratulates Veronica on her opening night, and it becomes clear that the drug lab has been relocated, so there's not going to be any kind of movement on that. Why would um, she tell him? Because she's stupid. I mean, I, I know why. I know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Archie announces to the other fighters in his group that they'll be escaping somehow. Well, hold on, because I mm-hmm. watched this scene, and in my notes I have this... This very strange thing. Because he gives a speech at the start of it where he talks about uh, Mad Dog. And like he's like, I got this book from Mad Dog and it has a rock hammer in there. <laughs> Which I interpreted as a symbol about how we have to remember that there's always something waiting for us on the outside. So I'm like, oh, so he took the symbolic interpretation <laughs> of this thing. Like, not help the literal, like, here's a hammer to get prison? out of here. <laughs> we need to keep an eye on this. <laughs> We, we, hammer watch is now a thing in our Fuck. podcast hammer mm-hmm. watch 2020 but then by the end of the conversation he turns around and says but also it is literally a hammer and perhaps we should use it <laughs> uh, it was the God funniest damn. shit in the world to me yeah this, it's, this is a it's, good show actually if you watch it as a comedy yep <laughs> jughead bigs up how evil g and g is uh, reading it was like reading evil. <laughs> they gotta stop fucking in Dilton's hell bunker, though. Yeah, I mean... Mm, that's evil, in my yeah, opinion. That's that's reading evil. I mean, I don't know if it's evil, but it's definitely illegal. It's nasty, if nothing else. Oh, it's nasty <laughs> as hell. Uh, yeah, so then... Like, the kid is dead. Please let him rest. Respect his memory. They're using his ghost as lube. They are definitely using those weird sexy posters he left up. Yeah. They're using the ectoplasm. Yep. Hey, (laughs) don't knock it. Um, But anyway. Busted makes me feel good. Yeah. There you go. Got it. Um, (laughs) Ethel has somehow managed to distribute G&G manuals to the inside of everyone's lockers at Riverdale High. I don't know for sure that that like fits in those little slots. Like I, I feel like this is impossible, but not only that, she's gotten them to read it and be interested in it. Mm -hmm. Like in 2019 or something like that, when the show canonically was taking place, she got just by putting role-playing game books in front of people, got them to want to read it and play it. It's the craziest shit that has happened in this show for the entire show. In my senior year of high school, and, like, I was a nerd in high school. That's not shocking to anybody. But, like, in my senior year of high school, my friend, one of my friends was trying desperately to convince me to join her game of D&D. And I was like, absolutely the fuck not. That's a level of nerditude that I will never ascend to. That's some, like, really nerd shit. And then now here I am. But, <laughs> but like, when I was, like, 17, you could not have paid me to play a tabletop role-playing game. You could not have paid me, I don't know, anything yeah. less than $200. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. It had to be really crazy. worth my time. Jughead gives an ominous voiceover, teasing that soon everyone would be playing the game, and the Gargoyle King fucking appears before this religiously ecstatic Ethel in the hospital, and that's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Wow. I spread the gospel. Okay. I did it. I did it, daddy. <laughs> no! Uh, 
That's not, not allowed. Tu- not touching that. Uh, who wants to kick us off with Riverdale? Um, I think it might actually be my turn. I don't. Who who knows what turns? I mean, anymore. I just introduced just... the podcast because yeah, no, that's, fuck that's who fair. remembers like mm-hmm. yeah. So, but yeah, let's establish an order now. I guess. All right. I think I'm the only one who hasn't gone first yet. This would be so. the third episode, so yeah, it actually should be yeah. you. I, so I guess I I stole your intro. Sorry. That is okay. I'm t- I'm not upset about we, that. We we could have done math before, but we're all dumb. So. <laughs> We're all gay. What the fuck are we supposed yeah, to no. do? Like, <laughs> math? What? <laughs> I don't think any of us are math gays either. Like I know one no, of those. No, so hell no. like absolutely not. No, Anyways. I'm I'm bad at chairs gay reporting in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um I I only have like two toes touching the ground right now, so I think that counts as bad mm-hmm, at chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure my back hurts right now as badly as it does because I'm sitting in proper form. <laughs> Yeah, like, what is this shit? So my Riverdue for this week, uh, which I actually didn't talk about while we were going through, but I really liked the girl gang montage while they were raiding the Jingle Jingle <laughs> lab. I actually looked up what Jingle Jingle was a couple of years ago, and so I recognized the tune when I first watched this, and it made me happy. It's a fun little, it's a fun little bop, but like... <laughs> Despite Veronica's obscene boob window, I really enjoyed the the little girl gang montage. It made me happy. And That's nothing fine. else in this episode did, so... Well, hey, there you go. That has to be it for me. Fine, fine, fine and dandy mm-hmm. Riverdue. My Riverdue, for 100% sure, is just the power fantasy of getting people to be interested in independently distributed role-playing games. <laughs> um, like, like the fa- not just as, like, a TTRPG guy, but, like... Just the absurd escalation of the conflict of and and like the intrigue of the season, they're like I love this move at the end of the episode of like we don't care that this is impossible and makes no sense. Everything's gonna just go fucking wild now. Yep. And I'm like, good, good, because when you try to make things make sense, they suck and don't make sense. So just Correct. don't even try. Just like just go crazy. I'd rather mm-hmm. just watch a show that's absurd and doesn't and doesn't like shy away from the fact that it's fucking absurd. Right. Yeah. So that that is my Riverdue. I was like delighted when I saw it. I'm excited for what it means. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. For me, I found myself in a similar position to Arlie in terms of I don't feel like there was a lot to recommend this episode. This episode <laughs> was was pretty weak in my opinion. I did like the even though I don't like a lot about the overall storyline, I did like Ghost Dad conversation with Archie and uh and Fred. You know, it's probably worth noting, I mean it's almost certainly giving the show too much credit, but the two people who sort of spectrally appear before Archie in jail are Hiram and his father. Literally an angel and devil situation going mm-hmm. on. You and I don't know angle or your devil. Luke Perry just he he made that scene work. Yeah, Despite... I'm sad every time I see him. I'm not gonna lie. I am um, too. Yeah, I almost started crying last night. Uh, <laughs> it's like, but I'm fine. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a fine Riverdue as well. Uh, we were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel looking for them in this episode. Uh, but yeah. well, I find myself in an interesting position too with as we transition into Riverdance, right? And I guess I'll speak more on that when it's my turn. Yeah. Early, as I'm fond of saying, what sucked? Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I can't can't say the whole episode. Um, I mean, okay, <laughs> what sucked particularly? What sucked the most? Um, I really, really hated the F Palace Bughead parallel. Like it was so, it was so gross. Like a lot of this episode was really gross and horny in a bad way. But that was, like, the worst for me, because those are their kids, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so this- that, that, yeah, that's-, that's This had- my... this had a lot of the bad horny in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Nevertheless, my river don't is not a horny one, uh, which surprises oh, wow. me, given- given the oh, wow. smorgasbord of bad horny that's in this episode. There's but, so much to choose from. Uh, you- you heard me get animated about it. It's the continued character assassination of Alice. Yeah. Like, just- she- keeps being this character even though we just saw her not being this character and it's just so so stupid and and tiring like oh let's manufacture some conflict by just like ignoring this character's entire arc and regressing her to her lowest point for no reason mm-hmm. and like there's no doubt that she'll be that. there's no doubt that she's gonna be awesome in like some later scene and with no commentary and then she'll regress to this again it's like alice is like a where season one alice mm-hmm. <laughs> well and, or 
Or I would like to propose a theory that ties into what I was saying is how it seems that she's two different people when she's talking to Betty and when she's in her relationship with FP. Um, I wonder if we might be dealing with something like the bigger Luke situation in Star Wars. Uh-huh. Is there a bigger Shittier Alice? Alice. Shittier Alice, yeah. Yeah. It's another Man, thing I don't to keep know anything about Star Wars that is completely lost on me. Oh, that's a weird Star Wars conspiracy theory. Okay. Uh, that, like... I would say that the engagement, the engagement with it is like 85% ironic. Yep. Okay. I don't need to know about it if it's just like a weird conspiracy thing. No, it is is very much a weird conspiracy. I would like to continue knowing as little about Star Wars Mm -hmm. as I humanly can. It's a great choice. Um, Thank you. I'm proud of that I really, I really respect it. Uh, I'm not proud of many of my choices, but I'm proud of that one. (laughs) Uh, But Quinn, what was bad for you in this? Yeah, like I said, like this whole episode kind of sucked, but like... (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't a lot that stood out honestly like i i had written down the f palace and bughead parallels were like really gross it's pretty gross Um, i i have that in my notes and i don't know the whole speakeasy storyline is just like it's not landing for me no it's not just stupid and like doesn't make sense in the world like it's fucking boring too Mm -hmm. like who cares who the fuck cares? Exactly. Like, I guess it's just... meant to be like this exciting illicit thing, but it's not. It's They're not. They're not doing it's... anything illicit. Just fucking go to school, you weirdos. Like, do your homework. The fuck? It's it's really weird. It's boring. I don't even feel like the people who are involved have their hearts in it. <laughs> okay, I like I really respect that, River Don't. I have to like do a honorable mention or something because we can't let the warden get away with having children fight each other so that he yeah. can blast rope uh, without some <laughs> sort of river don't going on with Damn it. it. No, you're you're correct. You're correct. Like no, that that's absolutely horrible. Crazy hamburger voice. This is horrible. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess like one could say that the river don't is just the sheer volume of bad horny in this episode. The like dark horny energy. In, it's it, it's that is like reading evil. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> this episode is like was like evil. reading evil. Um, so, yeah, that that very respectable indeed. Uh, weekly weird time, our favorite uh, little bit. What fucked up your brain in this one, Arlie? <sighs> I think it it has to be because I keep coming back to it, and like it's like recurring thing for me. I don't understand why the school seems to have no rules. Uh, specifically <laughs> with this episode, there's no dress code. Um. <laughs> Like, as a person whose life was greatly inconvenienced during my high school years because mm-hmm. of a dress code, like, I, I care a lot about that. And it's just very strange to me that there just is not a dress code. Um, and again, the school doesn't seem to have rules and, like, they don't make the children go to class or anything. I don't know. <laughs> it's also it's very strange. Uh, uh, that <laughs> Riverdale High is my weekly weird. That's, and, that's, but, like, it's yeah. a permanent installment, maybe. Like... <laughs> I think you notice things like that when the less there's going on in the plot, the more. Oh, yeah. Like the more the institutional rot at the heart of Riverdale becomes apparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my my next weekly weird for ne- for the next episode is not as it's not school centric, but I feel like a lot of mine end up being school centric because like I was I mean, of the three of us most recently in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, this, this is I, I think I'm going to ask you as an expert, Arlie, is this what high school is like? No. <laughs> no, I didn't think it yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> no, literally none of the, like I if they if you showed me the Riverdale High set, like if you just walked me through it, I'd be like, so is this like like someone's office or something? <laughs> like <laughs> what is this? Mm-hmm. I would never in a million years, like unless I was in the locker room, maybe yeah. think that it was a school. Yeah. Who put this red mood light in here? Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> My Weekly Weird is definitely the uh, school chapter of the farm cult. Good. Um, that they're allowed to do that. So I guess we're still on Riverdale High here. But like, <laughs> uh, that they are allowed to do that and everyone thinks that that's normal. And then like, but more specifically, the, the four-dimensional stupid chess that's going on with we at the farm can cure you of your seizures group of people who conveniently have seizures coincidentally yep like like whether or not like that's an unbelievable coincidence Mm -hmm. even if it's not a coincidence they want the people that they're preying on to believe that it is a coincidence as like the entry point 
for their cult and that's yeah. fucking stupid it's as really hell strange it's really it's bonkers uh that slides into my honorable mentions just in general the stuff with the school at the farm and the fact that they just keep it having the name of the farm is just so <laughs> fucking funny to me no branding I, allowed i cannot express how funny it is that you have a club that just says like the farm, the farm. in the room at the time and you expect anybody to show up she had like, like six this, pizzas dude she had six like, pizzas who's gonna eat those pizzas nobody okay. uh, evelyn i guess evelyn and betty fucking chow down time go ate yep. shit on the za mm-hmm. yep murdering <laughs> that pizza uh but yeah quinn for me it is both the line and the through line of this episode uh every cult has its king <laughs> <laughs> like this strange obsession this this lens through which Betty and it seems like particularly Jughead start to view the world in this episode where everything like starts linking into place and it's like wait every authority figure is kind of like a king when you think about it do you think it's because of the crown (laughs) oh Oh, Jesus (laughs) it's settled into his there's too much pressure on his brain now yeah it's just been do you ever see me without this weird beanie like (laughs) no Jughead Uh, I don't and maybe that's a problem yeah the the just they take what could be kind of a mystery plot and like through this strange hyper focus manage to immediately make it stupid like yeah for a mystery to work you sort of have to understand the logical leaps that are being made how people come to conclusions and why and how they're moving forward from them every cult has a king leaves me out at fucking sea <laughs> like what how does how did there i don't know that's just just such a wild statement to make and like be stuck on for an entire episode uh, at least and again like i don't remember if it keeps being a thing so i can't spoiler that perhaps though listeners we may receive some clues or answers in this grand mystery in the next episode which is season three episode four chapter 39 the midnight club we'll see (laughs) we'll see Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's great to be back. This show fucking sucks shit. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Yeah, Weeaboo agrees. agrees. Mm-hmm. Yep, oh, Weeaboo agrees. Good He's night. A smart dog. Good luck. And always remember that every cult has its <laughs> game. God damn it. Oh, God.